Yes. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. Hayden, we have 70 running backs pulled up today from our free, free, free draft guide, which is listed down below. An update coming later today. Hayden, so much conversation the last 48 hours all summer long at the at this position. I would say we timed it up pretty right for the show. Yeah, there's a little positive karma for us, I, I hope, or at least I want to view it that way. We have Travis Etienne versus James Robinson. Now we have Sony Michelle and Damian Harris and Daryl Henderson. We have Carlos Hyde even. So yeah, we need we need to just get into this. Let's do it. All right. So how we're going to do this is go through our positional rankings, which you all can see here. Again, it's in the free draft guide down below. Not just free. We're giving you $25 to check it out. Use promo code the show. You get a free 25 bucks. If you put in anything on underdog, skip the guacamole, put it in there. If you're a new user and boom, 25 free bucks out of Hayden's pocket. No surprise here, Hayden. At the top, the 101, Christian McCaffrey, and maybe even we should couple this with Dalvin Cook because those are, I would say, in 95% of underdog leagues on your season-long leagues going to be the top two selections here. I have no notes on Christian McCaffrey because he just like locked in number one overall. Uh, I don't. I'm not expecting like the 2019 numbers of Christian McCaffrey just because there's a little bit of differences between the offenses and there's more skill talent now. But he's still number one. Like you can't argue against it. I think the big conversation here, Hayden, is kind of the bookend or where you start drafting pass catchers because so many of us are confident in CMC and Dalvin Cook. Then it gets a little bit wearing, depending on what league you're going to be in. It's Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, maybe even Derrick Henry. One of those three, all three. Hayden, let's lay it out for people. What is our opinion? Where should we end this tier of running backs that you are so certain of that you should bypass? Again, the Travis Kelseys, Devontae Adams, Tyree Kills, and Stephon Diggs. I would take Alvin Kamara, number three overall. I would take Ezekiel Elliott, number four overall. And then you get into that gap ahead of Derrick Henry. The reason why I don't like Derrick Henry as much, um, I still have him like ninth overall or something like that, is last year when he rushed for 2,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, was elite in every single metric. He still averaged 4.1 fewer points per game than Dalvin Cook, 3.1 fewer points than Alvin Kamara. Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams scored more points than him. Travis Kelsey basically matched him point for point in fantasy and Derrick Henry was an absolute monster. And like it's like it's unlikely that he repeats that. So I think that Kamara and, and Zeke, they have the receiving and rushing workload. That's what we're here for. And I think that Jameis Winston, I've seen enough. He's going to be their starter most likely. That's great news for Kamara too. Yeah, Alvin Kamara has never had a season with fewer than 97 targets in a single year. That's, I think, a figure that we lose track of at times. And in 2019, again, the last time that Jameis Winston started, he attempted 626 passes. Dario Gumbawale, Ronald Jones, Peyton Barber combined for 110 of those. I think that those 110 targets would be a lot oh, yeah. better suited for Alvin Kamara. We're going to find out who the starting quarterback is for the Saints later on this week. But based on what happened on Monday night, it absolutely should be Alvin Kamara. We're a bit higher, and I would say a lot higher, on Ezekiel Elliott than the public. Hayden, I, I still think, and this trickles down to wide receivers and, and even tight ends, even Dak going as quarterback five, that four-game tiny sample that we got last season, um, it seems like so long ago, and, and it was. And I would just say the environment for the offense 
it might be that, but it could also be better if the team is just better, especially with the offensive line returning as well. Zeke averaged 22.7 PPR points per game with Dak Prescott last year. I would argue that Zeke is the biggest positive touchdown regression candidate in all of fantasy football. Last year, according to my model, he scored 5.7 fewer rushing touchdowns per game than what his usage would indicate. And there's probably better chances for Zeke Elliott just to be getting more goal line work in general because the Cowboys offense will be better across the entire um, season. So I think that Zeke Elliott is locked into this role. He looks good according to Hard Knocks. I want to be buying in. Maybe if Dak Prescott's not going to throw the ball as much when he's coming back from this lat injury, the ankle injury, even if that ticks down just a couple percentage points, that's going to Zeke. So I think that he deserves some top four love, even after a disastrous year last year. Yeah, we basically have Zeke and Alvin Kamara tied at running back three, and Zeke is the one who's going as running back five quickly. Terrence Steele played 970 snaps for the Cowboys offensive line. Brandon Knight, 774. Tyron Smith, you know, one of the best left tackles in the game still, 154 snaps, and Lyle Collins played absolutely none last year. So those are all pieces that are going to help. All right. So if we cover those five names, Hayden, I think that is a tier. I think that is a tier when now you can start drafting pass catchers. Now let's move on to the ones that we would select after those three wide receivers, after that number one tight end, because of how much of a difference Travis Kelsey makes in your lineup. In the second tier, we start off at number six, our sixth running back, Hayden. This is well above ADP because Austin Eckler is going as running back eight. We have him as running back six. Why? Rayshon Slater, Corey Lindsley, Matt Filer. They got Bulaga last year. We love Brandon Staley. We can assume Justin Herbert's going to have another great season. Austin Eckler has never been in a better environment for his own success. And the coaching staff leaves the opportunity for Austin Eckler to have more rushing yards near the goal line. And last year, I think right now the market's kind of assuming that won't change. But Kamara and Eckler, pretty similar players. And Joe Lombardi was giving Kamara uh, 1.6 inside the five-yard line touches per game. That was the sixth most in the entire NFL. Last year, Austin Eckler, not 1.6, 0.3 touches per game. So if you get even just half that right in the middle, Austin Eckler is going to leap up. And I think that he's going to catch a billion passes this year. And the offensive line is better than ever. So I think that this could be a monster year for Eckler. If you play at home in a full-point PPR league, oh, yeah. Austin Eckler locked in at running back six, even us for half PPR scoring, which is what we focus on, on underdog. I'm still firmly with Hayden here at this running back six spot. And we just talked about Alvin Kamara. We expect the usage to be exactly the same here for Austin Eckler, where no season of fewer than 97 targets. We know very little about Joe Lombardi since his days as the lead play caller. I think it was with the Detroit Lions, if, if I'm not mistaken. Hopefully he's learned under Sean Payton. And I would also add, that even those awesome seasons with Alvin Kamara, he was competing with for touches and opportunities with Mark Ingram, with Latavius Murray. There is no one on the Chargers roster close to the talents of those two players during that time. So while Austin Eckler for so long was pigeonholed as an archetype of a passing down back, I think you know Brandon Staley, the NFL at large, has realized that he is more than that and that he can hit this massive ceiling that he has with this offense. If he gets the goal line work, it, it's Yahtzee. And I think that we can make a very similar case, kind of opposite for Joe Mixon, our next guy, because he was pigeonholed as a first and second down back with Giovanni Bernard. But last year, in the last three games before Joe Mixon hurt his foot, he actually spiked. He had six targets and eight targets. They were getting Giovanni Bernard off the field 
the OC, the head coach, everybody is expecting Joe Mixon to be a three down player. He has never been that in his entire career. This is the year where you have finally the Bengals offense as a whole, potentially looking okay. And you get the uh, offensive line coach where Joe Mixon had his best success back when Joe Mixon was averaging like 4.8 yards per carry. Now he gets that offensive line coach back in the mix. They're going to run a little bit more under center. And I think because Joe Burrow's knee, they're probably going to pass a little bit less, put the ball into Joe Mixon's belly. And I think that Joe Mixon is an awesome player just by himself. So I think that this is the, this is the year yeah. for Joe Mixon to have that season. He was the running back nine in fancy points per game last season. Only played six of those contests. And that was, again, with some disasters at quarterback for the in, entire season. Obviously, Joe Burrow played, what, 11 games, 10 games. But they also had Ryan Finley and, and Brandon Allen. And you mentioned it. His former offensive line coach, acutely, is now at Texas State University. And, Hayden, I do want to bring up, though, because a lot of people have been burned by Joe Mixon. And I, I do think we fall into these traps where it's not just us, you know, Bill Belichick has gone on record saying that he believes Joe Mixon is one of the most talented, if not the most talented running back in the NFL. As the season has gone along, because this is a refresh of a show that we did in June, I wouldn't say it's been extremely positive buzz for the Bengals in terms of being like a good football team, maybe a consistent offense. We really just haven't seen that on the field yet. Hayden, does any of that matter, though, if we finally get this full three-down passing game workload for Joe Mixon that he's never had in his past because of Gio Bernard. I just think that he, he's just so good in his own right. And like, if, if you, if you're playing three downs in an offense, that's going to be kind of fast pace. I just don't see how this c- could go wrong. I, this is just a bet on Joe Mixon, the actual player. And I have a couple stats on my Twitter feed. You can go scroll down, look at some of these charts. Joe Mixon breaks so many tackles one-on-one and he's a bigger back, but he's still super elusive. And I think that's why Bill Belichick like really praises Joe Mixon just because he's he's big and he's elusive. And I think that this is the year where you can expect it. That, that Texas State offensive line coach, I mean, he's not even the offensive coordinator. He's still yeah. an offensive line coach for the Texas State. So this is potentially a, a big deal. And I did want to spend some extra time on Jim Mixon because Hayden, among these top 14 backs, which, which I think is a cluster in and of itself, which we'll get to in a moment, we are easily highest on ADP in terms of a player in that grouping because he's our running back seven and he's being drafted as the running back 13. So we're not telling you necessarily to draft him as running back seven, which you totally can. That's why we're, we're suggesting it here. But if you take a wide receiver in round one and circle back with him as your round two pick as your anchor running back to us, that is a, an awesome, awesome start. Okay. Let's jump to running back eight for us. It's Saquon Barkley. What is there left to say? I mean, Saquon has dropped all summer long, now down to the running back seven being drafted. Um, It's just they're being so cagey with the entire thing. Hayden, the talent, if he's healthy, is unreal. I would say the environment and what we know, the facts that we know in the situation, it's almost to a point where I, and this can come back to bite me, I just don't want to exit a draft right now with Saquon Barkley. It's the offensive line, which is, I mean, might be the worst in the league, bottom three, bottom five. The the play caller and Saquon Barkley is coming off an ACL plus injury. And I think that they're going to ease him in. He might miss a game or two to start the season, but I, I think that even if he plays, he's going to be eased in. It's not ultimately the biggest deal, but I would guess that Saquon Barkley is going to have one of his worst seasons in terms of efficiency this year, coming off the knee injury, bad, just bad offensive environment, bad offensive line. 
So I think that he's still Saquon Barkley. You can only drop him so far, but I think that ultimately, like, I'm okay being out on him right now. Let's jump to running back nine hours. You, in fact, are tanking my ranking here. I have Aaron Jones as running back seven ahead of Saquon Barkley, ahead of Joe Mixon. You have him as running back 12. Why do you think we disagree so much? Uh, there are some on-off splits that I'm kind of worried about with Aaron Jones. Last year in the three games with Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones had 27, 24, and 22 fantasy points. And then in all the rest of the games, Aaron Jones only averaged 15.4 PPR points. Not even half PPR, full PPR points. I think that just he gets fed when Devontae Adams is not there. And I'm a little concerned. Like, A.J. Dillon's 240 pounds, massive legs. Like, what if Aaron Jones doesn't get all the goal line carries? So I think that there's a little bit of um, – I just don't want to bank on him having this monster role. I, I do think it's good news that Jamal Williams is not there. He might be, or he will be more involved on passing downs. But if the goal line role gets taken away from a little bit, or if uh, AJ Dillon plays more in the second half of games as the, the ball carrier, I'm a little concerned. And those on off splits are pretty serious. Only averaging 15.4 points across like 14 games last year with Devontae Adams. That's a little concerning for me. It's one where, Earlier in the offseason, you were able to get Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones in the first two rounds if you wanted to. And Hayden, we know, and it makes sense, once Aaron Rodgers declared that he's returning and now he is officially back, uh, all of those players have climbed up. I mean, Aaron Jones right now is going as the running back six overall. I do want to like go back into history of us drafting at this time last year and us baking in all of the touchdown regression concerns and him staying, still ending up as like, the running back 13. There's a huge difference between the running back six and the running back 13. I agree with you. I think AJ Dillon is an awesome player. I am cool though, because as, as simple as this sounds, I'm cool with taking Aaron Jones because I think the floor of that offense is so good. He just might not end up as a top three, top four scorer. And I would only say that there's like a handful of players, regardless of injury, who have an outcome of top three, top four this season. There's also Amari Rodgers, who's a slot player, and it's going to be kind of a, a, a gadget, a little flick, jet sweeps, that type of action. That could possibly negatively impact Aaron Jones. And same thing with Randall Cobb. They're just more weapons a little bit. So I don't want to take Aaron Jones too far. He's a really good player. The offense would be really good. But like all these guys are like grouped right next to each other. Yeah, and I, th- I think this is a good point because I think often when you're drafting running backs, you're also drafting the offense. And so this is why I have Aaron Jones ahead of Saquon Barkley and Joe Mixon is because I think they're – Aaron Jones' offense with the Packers is just much more bankable as a whole versus it, the other. But it's like offense times workload, you yeah. know? And Saquon's workload, if he is remotely healthy, will be bigger than Aaron Jones's. All right. If you're tanking my ranking in Aaron Jones, I'm doing that a little bit for you and Nick Chubb, who is our running back 10. I have him at 12. You have him at eight. He's being drafted right in the middle there at running back nine. I mean, talk about bankable offenses and talk about a player who is just absolutely insane. I mean, the fourth most 10-plus yard runs in the NFL. He was best in the NFL after contact last season. Nick Chubb is an electric talent, and he's actually moved up in the last few months from running back 11 to running back 9. He led all running backs in fantasy points over-expected, which is my like efficiency metric, and that's because the offensive line might be the best in the NFL, and all five of them are returning Basically, all the Browns players are healthy going into camp. This is a, a an organization and a front office and a coaching staff that are all on the same page forever. I think that Nick Chubb might be the best, maybe the second best pure rusher. And the Browns, now that their defense is better, they invested a ton into the defense, and they're going to probably be 
a little uh, have a little bit better injury luck. I think the Browns are going to be playing with a lead more often for Nick Chubb. And the other thing, we always talk about contingency value. What happens if this player rolls an ankle? Then all of a sudden, Daryl Henderson is this. What happens if Kareem Hunt gets injured? I mean, where would you rank Nick Chubb? So, like, there is these massive ceiling outcomes if Kareem Hunt gets dialed back or he sprains an ankle. I think, like, Nick Chubb could have a Dalvin Cook-esque season if just one little thing breaks his way. The Browns are going to be sick this year, and I think Nick Chubb deserves – a little more attention than what he's been getting. To answer your question, it'd probably be in that top tier. It would be among the CMCs, the Dalvins, the Zeke's, yeah. the Camaras, the Derrick Henrys, and Nick Chubb. He'd be right amongst that name if something did happen to Kareem Hunt. You know this. I have just been so amazed that decades and decades, the Browns have been a dumpster fire. And as soon as Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski come in, they immediately insert their identity. And we see it across the league. It takes years and years and sometimes never happens for these head coaches and, and general managers, these new regimes to come in and change like just the vision for a team. And Stefanski was able to do it in year one. And they have the pieces, like you said, to be even better as a team overall last season. Absolutely love what the Browns are doing. Uh, let's go to running back 11. Rookie, first one on the list, Najee Harris. I've mentioned this on to you on previous shows. You know, I bought into the idea, well, was Najee Harris worth it in the first round? This Pittsburgh offensive line, for us on paper, it, it has questions. Big Ben's arm, we saw it after 11 weeks last season. Hayden, again, as the, the summer has gone on, as we've seen it in preseason games, I do want to like shine a mirror on those concerns and be like, are they all realistic? Are they all facts? Or all just assumptions that those of us on the outside, and maybe the Steelers actually know what, what they're talking about. Plus the 350 touches that Najee Harris, who looks like a good player, is going to get. And because of all of those things, I have become very comfortable selecting him as the running back 11 overall. He's played 15 of 16 first-team snaps in the in last preseason game. And last year, I know he's a big back. He caught 43 passes last year at Alabama. I mean, like he is a legit three-down player, super experienced. He's going to walk in to uh, basically 300 touches like you just mentioned. And I think that's just like too big to fail. So uh, he might not be the the running back three overall just because the offensive line concerns. But when you're that big and you're not coming off the field for passing downs, like you can't rank him too low. This has been an interesting grouping after Nick Chubb. I'll throw in Joe Mixon's name in here. So like the Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, CEH, Antonio Gibson, some names we're going to get to in a moment. They've all been like leapfrogging throughout the last – few weeks, Hayden, let's jump to Jonathan Taylor, who saw a dip in his value a couple weeks ago with the Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz, Wentz injuries. Both those players are, are, are back at practice, seemingly are going to play in week one. And all that we have heard from the Indianapolis Colts is how much of an alpha Jonathan Taylor has emerged. So while they made a big decision to go with Carson Wentz as their quarterback, as cliche as it sounds, the offense truly, truly might revolve around Jonathan Taylor this year. Every argument I just made for Nick Chubb, you can make for Jonathan Taylor, except their offensive line is a little bit worse. The offense in general is a little bit worse. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's like the same case. Like they're going to be low end RB ones if Naeem Hines and Kareem Hunt are there. But if either one of those two miss, all these guys are going to get vaulted up because Jonathan Taylor is an absolute beast. And the offense in general is going to be okay um, as long as Carson Wentz is, could stay healthy for a little bit. So uh, Jonathan Taylor is like a, a very intriguing player in the second round right now. 
All right, let's close out the first two clusters, the first two rounds of running backs with CEH and Antonio Gibson. Let's first start with Gibson, who is our running back 14, Hayden, because talk about like wish casting some players into maybe roles they don't have immediately. I believe people went on a ledge in terms of the opportunity that Antonio Gibson would see a massive uptick in, in year two with Scott Turner because now he's a feel for the running back position and kind of what we've seen and, and pieced together of the pieces that they've given us in practice and in preseason games is one, J.D. McKissick is still a really good football player and two, in these preseason reps, he's still getting the opportunity that we want Antonio Gibson to get on third down because I think he had one third down touch last season and it was something minuscule like that and so if that's the case then as much as I love, and I love Antonio Gibson as a talent, I do think he belongs at the bottom of this grouping here at running back 14. He's 100% still learning the position, but like his rookie season was awesome for a player that was not even playing running back. He was a slot receiver at Memphis. So I think what Washington's trying to do is trying to get him to understand the timing as a runner and the vision, when to make these jump cuts, when to pile forward. He's still learning that part of the game. And even when he was learning, he was still pretty dang efficient last year. So I think that's why he hasn't been playing third downs. Is They're trying to take this one step at a time. He's super inexperienced in general. And he's still making a lot of mistakes, but he's just so athletic. So like, there's still a massive ceiling. If J.D. McKissick went down or if Antonio Gibson, after the bye week, they feel comfortable with his pass protection, you can see this tick way up. But I, I do think that... Right now, I think that he's the bottom of this tier, but I still would feel pretty good about getting him in the late second round. I think that this like uh, round two running back group is much better than other running back two groups that we've had um, in the previous couple seasons. For sure. I think all of them have absolutely massive ceilings because as we go along, and maybe Gibson gets the second year running back bump at some point this year and sees right. that passing game workload jump up, then there's an avenue for a top 10, top eight running back season for him as well. And I would say the exact same thing for CEH. Now we're still trying to get some details unless you know them. And I don't Hayden about his, his ankle sprain. Um, I think he practiced today. Beautiful. Because I think that there is a path for CEH easily to be a top seven running back in the NFL this season. It's, uh, I do think people were stung by the negativity of, of drafting him at the 106 last year when that offensive line, as we saw in the Super Bowl, absolutely stunk. We talked about Nate Tice. We talked with it with Nick Tice at length that just the upgrade along the offensive line, one is going to allow for a more, more diverse running scheme, but also screen game. And like CEH in college at LSU was breaking records for running backs in the SEC. He only had 36 receptions last season. I think he gets 20, 30 more this year in the most bankable offense week to week in the NFL. And Hayden, more and more, we graded drafts yesterday. I'm seeing him drop to like the 3-1, the 3-2 area. If you're getting the real running back one on the best offense with a much upgraded offensive line in the NFL, I absolutely love that selection. The offensive line is awesome for Patrick Mahomes, but these are like more uh, run-first offensive linemen. Like Orlando Brown's probably a worse pass protector than he is a, a, a run blocker, and same thing with Tooney and then Creed Humphreys, and they looked awesome in the preseason games. And I think that this was kind of a, 
a reason to get Clyde Edwards-Alaire more involved to get him an actual offensive line that can move and is super powerful along the the goal line. And if you look at the preseason snaps, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire played all but one with the first team in the first game, and then he played the six of six snaps before he tweaked his ankle the last game. So there's a chance that Clyde Edwards-Alaire plays 75, 80% of the snaps. And, I mean, at that point, that's how you, like, get these, like, third overall type of uh, seasons from Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So, so like Antonio Gibson, he's a lottery ticket, and I think a good lottery ticket to have in the late second round. All right, before we jump to the next group, again, those are the names that we would advocate for as first or second round running backs. And then it's going to be a bunch of wide receivers that we get to. We'll get to other running backs in just a moment. Before we get there, do you want to remind you that if you are new to best ball, if you are new to underdog one, it is absolutely the best way to prepare for that season long league that you care most about because for $5 entry for a $3 entry for a $25 entry, you can check out the drafts and constructions and strategies from like the one Oh two to the one eleven wide receiver tight end, running back, running back, start whatever you want to do again at underdog Best ball is the way to practice that and use promo code the show listed down below for a free $25 on your first deposit. All right, Hayden, let's jump to this next grouping, which some might call it the running back dead zone. Hayden, I got to bring up that name because I think that that is just a blanket statement on running backs that do have questions, but I would say not every running back, not every situation is created equal. And so if you take the idea that it can be difficult to hit on running backs that go in late round three, round four, round five, but understand maybe the nuances either by diving into their specific scenarios or diving into their talent overall and really nailing those picks, those can be massive, massive difference makers because you're getting them at discounts in comparison to the first two rounds. I would recommend picking one of them at most. And that's why I kind of prefer the top two running backs go bang, bang, and then don't worry about running backs. Do not keep double dipping into this tier. This is how you can lose money. The wide receivers in this tier are just so sick. So that's why like, even I think I have David Montgomery as my RB 15. He's after like 20 wide receivers and three tight ends. Um, I don't want to be drafting David Montgomery unless he falls, but I do think that there are some guys that have a, a path to RB one numbers in this range. If you can hit on that, that's, that's very awesome, but you definitely need to be picking your battles here and when in doubt draft wide receivers, have four wide receivers by round seven, or round eight, at least four wide receivers by that point. So don't keep dipping back into this tier. That's how, that's how you lose. Right. And we're about to say positive things about David Montgomery, JK Dobbins, James Robinson, Mike Davis, so on and so forth. But when you tune into our, our wide receiver show, which is going to be the video right after this one tomorrow, you will hear us talk even more glowingly about Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans, oh, yeah. Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin. Those are all the wide receivers that we love to hammer in that same range. So it's all about roster construction here. Um, but let's start. Let's start off with our running back 15 in David Montgomery. Hayden, he was what a top eight, top six running back. Last season, a lot of that was because of this unreal spurt that he had towards the end of the year where he was putting up 17, 19, 25, 22 points. Some of that coincided with returning from an injury in a bye week. 
Some of that coincided with Tariq Cohen going down. But Hayden, I feel like we also need to say that Tariq Cohen is not right. And David Montgomery might have the exact same workload and volume that he got last season. And if he does, and if he hits like he did last year, again, 15 is awesome value. David Montgomery changed his diet after his rookie season. Like David Montgomery had zero explosiveness as a rookie. And that's why he kept getting trolled on all social media. And that's why he was so low in fantasy rankings last year, but he changed his diet. He lost weight. And if you look at next gen stats data, David Montgomery was like legit a faster player last year. And he's kind of carried over this, this, this new diet that he's been working on that he has had, had this in interview. And last year he led all running backs in force missed tackles per reception. So that's him being elusive out in space. He also was the RB five out of uh, 47 qualifying running backs in force missed tackles on carries. So this is a guy that uh, was always a tackle breaker in college, but there is like kind of like two parts. You need to break tackles and explode up field back as a rookie. He would be able to break tackles, but he wouldn't go explode up field. Now I think he can do that. And I I'm with you. I don't think that treat Cohen's going to be that much of a concern. Like, I mean, David Montgomery is literally the best forcing missing tackles as, as a receiver last year. So I think I kind of want to be sprinkling in a little bit of David Montgomery at the top of this tier. Absolutely. And I truly believe people still are holding his rookie season over his head as like, maybe, maybe that's the truth. I want to look at what weeks games 10 through 16 last year as, as the truth and the answer to who he really is as a player again, 16, 20, 23, 21, 28, 18 and 19 points. I mean, we just said positives and negatives about the likes of, I don't know, Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, even like Nick Chubb. I will once again say that there is a fairly easy path, I believe, to David Montgomery being a top 10 running back this season. I'm not raising him there, but that can absolutely happen. He was literally the RB9 per game on RB8 fantasy usage. Like it's it's definitely there. I think that the discount with Damien Williams and Treat Cohen back in the mix. And I think that the Bears offensive line is going to be a little bit worse this year than it was last year. The schedule is a little bit harder. So that's why I think that he drops from RB10 last year down to this like RB16 to 20 range. Um, But I I think I like David Montgomery the most out of this tier, but it's very close. All these guys. Let's go to JK Dobbins. Obviously there are three players on that Baltimore Ravens offense that are going to carry the ball. Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, and second year player in JK Dobbins. Some, Interesting usage paths last season in his own rookie season when Mark Ingram was involved, then uninvolved for the final few games of the year. J.K. Dobbins is the lead ball carrier on this team, Hayden, at running back. But how different is it trying to put context to that versus other teams that don't have a, a, a rusher like Lamar Jackson? It's just hard because the Ravens last year were 24th in uh, fantasy usage among all their running backs combined because they caught – 30, they were 31st in receptions as a running back unit because of Lamar Jackson. So that makes it basically impossible for J.K. Dobbins to reach these massive ceilings. And last year, once they kind of removed Mark Ingram, it was the post-buy rookie bump for J.K. Dobbins, he averaged 11.3 PPR points on 11.4 expected PPR points. If you would extrapolate that to all of last year, that would be the RB26 on RB27 fantasy usage. And they just gave Gus Bus a bunch of money, and Gus Bus was trucking everybody in the last preseason game. So I do think this is going to be a one-two punch. J.K. Dobbins will be better than he was last year. He might be the most efficient running back in all of fantasy football, but the running backs just don't get used enough. So I think that's where I think he's for sure an RB2, not an RB1. 
this is one where Hayden, I just kind of rely on, on talent evaluation in some ways to win out both for the Ravens offense as a whole. Cause I think it's going to be not what it was in, in 2019, but much closer than it was last season. But then also JK Dobbins as an individual. Now, like you said, Gus Edwards is awesome. They love Gus Edwards as well. And it's, unless I'm, I'm mistaken here, it's not a case where we can say like, well, this player is used for this role in, in this scenario. It seems like at times they use them for like stretches of drives or, or entire drives. And so who's going to have that goal on usage? I can't answer necessarily that question. But what I can say is I freaking love the Baltimore Ravens offense. I love J.K. Dobbins as a talent. I'm not drafting him often here because his ADP is currently above Dave Montgomery. And I love the likes of, you know, Mike Davis and, and Damian Harris are going a little bit later on. But I can absolutely see him hitting on this ADP as well, Hayden, just from like a Ravens get back to being complete bullies in the NFL and all three of those players and Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, and Gus Edwards all hitting at their ADPs. I, I still just don't see the ceiling. If he's not catching that many passes and if Gus Bus is going to be involved, I, I think that we want to pretend that the, the, the Ravens running backs get fed all these carries. They really don't because Lamar Jackson gets so many of those carries in his own right. So I think that he's just an RB2. He's not going to kill your team, but I, I don't want to play for floor in round four. Give me like one of those stud wide receivers that could have a, a monster season. I, I totally agree with that. We have not talked about Chris Carson. It feels like all summer long. Hayden, Pete Carroll loves him. Some Chris Carson, as stupid as this might sound, there's no Carlos Hyde on that team last year. They went through a whole bunch of different injuries at the running back spot, but yet it's been very consistent where Chris Carson is being drafted at running back 18 all summer. I have like very little notes on him. He's an RB two. He's in a good offense last year. He had, he was the RB 12 per game on RB 16 fantasy usage. He is kind of exiting his prime a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think he's just an RB2. Like he's just Chris Carson. Fascinating to see what Shane Waldron does with that offense. It could have positive trickle down, obviously, to Russell Wilson. There's a quarterback one ceiling involved with him, DK Metcalf, Tyra Lockett. And if that all works with maybe the best, and we've talked about this offensive line that Russell Wilson has played with in, in a long time, if everyone stays healthy, big F, uh, Chris Carson benefits from that. All right, Hayden, big talking point here. In the last 48 hours, Travis Etienne, the first-round pick from the Jacksonville Jaguars, has gone down with an injury, will miss the entire season. James Robinson was being drafted as the running back 32. You and I are going out on the ledge and having him as our running back 18. Lest we forget that James Robinson, in some ways, painted the fantasy landscape in 2020, was a late-round pick or undrafted in your own league, and Hayden finished the year as the running back seven in fantasy points per game. Your thoughts on his outlook now? James Robinson was the RB6 in half PPR per game on RB10 fantasy usage, and he was actually the ninth most efficient running back over expected according to my model. I think that James Robinson is an underrated player just in his own right. Like He's not going to come off, the, off on third downs because he's just really smart. You can see this, just like how they use him and how much – He's helping Trevor Lawrence with like these split situations in the preseason. And he's he's good at everything except breaking off a 40-yard run. He just doesn't have the top end speed, but everything else, James Robinson has it. And Carlos Hyde like just simply doesn't have it. 
So I, I think I want to like keep moving James Robinson up the rankings. I think he can catch a lot of passes and he's going to be the goal line back. He's got the potential for a three down workload again. So um, the only thing you can say is like urban Meyer is just like highly questionable, but like last year, the Jaguars head coach and all that was that highly questionable. It sure was. And he still was an RB one. So I, I, I want to, I think I want to rank him a little higher than this. I think. They might have fallen into a better situation than trying to rotate the likes of Travis Etienne and Carlos Hyde and James Robinson in here because if James Robinson – I mean, I've been trying to ask around to those close to the team, Hayden, and I'm getting a lot of 70-30, 80-20 usage. That makes sense. James Robinson versus Carlos Hyde. Now, that's not necessarily like the 90% or whatever that he was hovering around last year. But damn, man, that team stunk last year. They were 30th out of 32 teams – in terms of points scored on average per game with 19. Uh, I know that the Jaguars haven't, you know, given us a lot of hope during during this preseason and a lot of their ADPs are dropping because of it, but they're not going to be 30th out of 32 scoring points this year. I would be shocked if that happens because of just how much better the team overall is offensively. And if that's the case, the tide rises and the singular boat and James Robinson rises as well. Now, that's not to say that I expect him to match his running back seven, running back six overall production last season. But once again, he is one of those players that we have added to this group that gives me so much more confidence than these split backfields that we had just 48 hours ago. I'm not viewing Carlos Hyde as much of a threat at all. Like None. He's going he's gonna to be – I think he's going to take the, the, the carries that we don't even care about. Like it's just like second and six, bring in Carlos Hyde for a run up the middle. And like we don't even care about those touches – Anyway, James Robinson is 10 times better than Carlos Hyde is on third downs. So you're going to get all that that um, receiving workload. So, yeah, I'm in. Let's jump to Mike Davis, who I absolutely love. Mike Davis is one of my guys this year because, one, we have seen that while the Falcons haven't been able to invest much in the running back position, they've invested the most in Mike Davis. And this is going to be such a different dynamic for the Falcons offense last season when they ranked 26th in red zone touchdown success rate. And they bring in Arthur Smith, who in the last two years with the Titans has been first and second in TD rate inside the red zone. I cannot stress enough how much that is going to help the likes of Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Cal Pitts, and yes, absolutely in Mike Davis. I am not asking him to be Derrick Henry here. The public is not asking him to be Derrick Henry at running back 19, but Hayden, by their actions, all their actions are pointing to Mike Davis being the feature back on this team and an offense that I think is going to be top half of the NFL. And getting that at this value to me is incredible, especially when you consider he's going as running back 23 right now. He has three down size. Like he's just like a big dude out there. And like David Montgomery, he was just breaking tackles everywhere between the tackles out in space, all of it. So I do think that he could be a three down back. We haven't seen this before, and that's why he's being drafted so much later. But his competition right now, Cordero Patterson, who's barely has a thousand rushing yards over his entire career. Uh, Quadri Olson, I think, averaged like 2.3 yards per carry last year. That That's probably the RB2 right now. They just cut Javion Hawkins. I mean, everything has gone right for Mike Davis this entire offseason. They're going to be in 12 personnel. Yeah, Arthur Smith knows what the hell he's doing with his running backs clearly. And that Mike Davis thigh picture went viral. That was like the bull signal that, you know, everything is going right for the students. I think that he's the name right here that I I think has like top 12 potential 
Uh, and he's not being like, we have him ranked like 25 well ahead. spots ahead of ADP right now. Yeah, and that's overall, and again, just four or five running back spots ahead of ADP. And you mentioned that we haven't seen, you know, Mike Davis be the lead feature back for a team for an entire season, but we absolutely saw it in stretches last year. Like as soon as CMC went down in that Joe Brady offense, Mike Davis had eight targets, nine targets, six targets, 10 targets. Hell yeah. Give me that. Yeah. And he's he's breaking tackles. Again, he's not, you know, a guy who's going to reel off 60-yard, Jamal Charles, Chris Johnson touchdowns, but is he someone who can pick up the yards block for him? Absolutely. And is he also someone, as Hayden has pointed out, create yards on his own on broken tackles? Absolutely. So I, I can't wait to see Mike Davis this season. All right, scrolling up to continue on in this tier of running backs, Miles Sanders. Hayden, how much of an effect positively or negatively can Jalen Hurts have on Miles Sanders? Because last season he was – an end of round one, start of round two running back. And we started to see, you know, that hit and, and wheels in motion once Jalen Hurts took over at the end of the season. He was the RB 15 per game on RB 14 fantasy usage last year. The Eagles offense is probably going to be just as bad as it was the season before. And I think that Miles Sanders just like, he's an explosive runner. He's kind of like the anti David Montgomery and Mike Davis, where he's got the explosiveness, but he kind of lacks everything else. And I think that we kind of prop him up to where he's better than what he actually is. And they added a lot of pieces to, to the running backs. Like we're not like super optimistic on all these guys, but the fact that they're adding a lot of depth to the position is kind of the negative case of miles Sanders. And if Jalen hurts is not going to throw as many dump offs to miles Sanders, uh, I, he just seems like the guy that you want to be avoiding in this range. I'm having such a difficult time figuring out this Eagles offense other than Devonte Smith, who's still being underdrafted. And we'll get to that on tomorrow's show but all the other pieces Hayden I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the plan is going to be for them and and because Miles Sanders is being drafted at running back 20 and the name we just talked about and Mike Davis at running back 23 it just seems like I'm having so much more exposure to the latter versus the former uh, let's okay. jump to jo- Josh Jacobs at running back 21 for us he's going as running back 22 for for all of you it wouldn't shock me at all, Hayden, if that passing game for the Raiders is is worse than it was last year. Because I think we might have seen Derek Carr at his best, and obviously without Nelson Aguilar. I keep pointing back to when they drafted Alex Leatherwood. Mike Mayock got on the mic and said that we want to be a power running team with Josh Jacobs. Yet we've barely heard any of that for us in our fantasy bubble, and he's stuck in this area. And it's because he kind of is like a one trick pony that they want to use him as, even though I think he has more talent than that. Well, they just gave Kenyon Drake all this money. Right. And it's, it's, it's money that goes into next year too. Like he has like $5 million guaranteed next year. Like they committed to Kenyon Drake. He's going to be involved. Josh Jacobs, just early down guy. He's going to have a, a probably 10 touchdowns this year, but the Raiders have the third hardest strength of schedule and Josh Jacobs doesn't play in negative game scripts and they just turned over a bunch of their offensive linemen. So like he, he's like, like Miles Sanders. Like if I have zero Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders, I'm totally, totally fine with that this year. We actually have Josh Jacobs and Swift tied and our rankings are basically flipped for both of them. So I want you to make the case to me for Deandre Swift, who again is being drafted much earlier than this at running back 16 still. Hayden, again, he's our running back 21 or, or running back 22. My concerns, he averaged nine carries per game last year, four and a half targets per game, had six games of 10 or more 
carries. The offensive line can be absolutely awesome, but like by their actions and by their words, even as recently as like this past weekend, it certainly sounds like the Lions want to use multiple backs. And I just have a difficult time investing a pick in this area or even as people are drafting at the top of this tier when so many good wide receivers are there, but also backs that to me have a, a better grasp of their running back position. I'll add another negative is this like groin injuries kind of lingering. So that's like my biggest concern with DeAndre Swift. The positives were after the bye week post by rookie bump for DeAndre Swift, 17 PPR points per game on 16 expected fantasy points per game. The Lions are missing the most targets of any team, 360, and that includes a lot of the red zone production. And if you just look historically, when James White was balling out, J.D. McKissick last year, when you see some of these uh, receiving backs see 100 targets, Typically, that's because the wide receivers are garbage. And who has the worst wide receivers in the entire NFL? It's clearly the Detroit Lions. So I think that it won't be pretty, but I think that DeAndre Swift can be the goal line back if they want, want him to be that. And I think that he's going to catch a ton of passes out of necessity. So that's why I, I can't rank him too low just because I think that the the high-value touches that we're striving for are going to be there for, for DeAndre Swift. I mean, he's going as a top three-round player. He, oh, I can't do that. No. His ADP is 35 overall right now. You you and I have a much lower just overall. Um, I've met 60. You have met 44. So that's the combined ranking of uh, of 52. Yeah. I'm, I, again, maybe it's just going to be a blind spot for me. And there's going to be a lot of those for all of you. There's going to be some for me as well. I just I just cannot buy in to a Lions offense and to a Texans offense. I, I, I'm just avoiding those at all costs this year. Okay. I will draft. I will draft like Robert Woods and Julio Jones over DeAndre Swift. Yes, absolutely. Before we move on. A reminder to all of you, we are here every single day, Monday through Thursday at 1230 Eastern. Those of you here, if you want to win your league, that's what we are here to do. Like and subscribe down below. It absolutely helps us out. And to help you out, we're giving you our free draft guide. It is linked down below. An update shortly to come to that with all of these moves that have happened over the last 48 hours. We're giving you 25 bucks to check it out. Just use promo code the show on underdog best ball is the best way to prepare for your season long league or just to have fun. Download the underdog fantasy app on your phone. All right, let's keep it moving. Hayden with more running backs, Kareem hunt running back 23 for us. I do feel just putting myself in other people's shoes. There can be a hesitancy Hayden to draft a player that we know is a second runner on his team ahead of potential top runners on their own team, like Damian Harris, Trey Sermon, Chase Edmonds. I can keep going on and on down the list. Is there a way for you to ease people's concerns? And is it based in the structure of this offense and just how freaking good it is? He's a flex waiting to be an RB1 if Nick Chubb goes down with an injury. I know you can look at Nick Chubb's or the couple of games where Cream Hunt kind of busted when Nick Chubb was out last year, but that was super fluky. There are some weather games. Uh, uh, Teller was out as well. Uh, Cream Hunt's an actually good player. And last year in the games with Nick Chubb, he averaged 14 PPR points on 13.9 expected PR, PPR points. So that's like RB2 flex numbers. And he's just a, a lottery ticket to winning your league in the fifth or sixth round. So it's just the offensive line's too good. The Browns are too good. Cream Hunt himself is too good. And I think that he's a flex just waiting to be an RB1. Let's jump down to Damian Harris, a player that I have tried to move up as ADP all summer long, Hayden. Maybe it'll finally start catching up here on the news of Sonny Michelle 
being dealt. Still being drafted as running back 29, Damian Harris is. And as you can tell, I have him at running back 22. Let me just lay out all of these facts to you on a piece of paper, okay? On this very program, we had Phil Perry, a great beat writer for the Patriots, come on and say, Damian Harris is the guy. He is going to get the feature back treatment. We've since heard the running backs coach, Bill Belichick, reiterate the same thing that Damian Harris is going to get the first opportunity on a team that was number three last season in carries and rushing attempts. They're locked into the top five with a also top five offensive line. I know so many, and I've gotten so many responses over the last two days saying, well, do I really want to invest in a Patriots running back? They do it by committee. I think that's all changed. I think that they truly are going to allow Damian Harris to have this opportunity. And if he gets injured, if he fails, that's when they move off. And there was also that negative hanging over his head that, well, you have the best goal line back in the NFL and Cam Newton running in goal line attempts. It's trending towards Mac Jones, ladies and gentlemen. I truly feel like we're getting a top 20 possible running back in our hands with Damian Harris in an offense that Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels that I want to believe in top five rushing attempts with Damian Harris being the top rusher on the team. I don't think he has RB one ceiling just because James White's going to be involved and Damian Harris historically hasn't been playing on any third downs, but the ticket here is Cam Newton handled 73% of the inside the five yard line carries for the Patriots last year. If Mac Jones is the starter and cam newton's not like just like some special specialist inside the red zone then damian harris is like gonna smash this and he'll he'll be an rb2 and then in positive game scripts damian harris will just go absolutely off i mean he averaged five yards per carry and the offensive line is awesome and it it might even be better this year Uh, and And, the patriots themselves will just be better and they're going to lead the nfl in 12 personnel after having dishing out the two highest tight end contracts in the nfl this offseason what they want to be is last year's cleveland browns did, yeah. Do we like Nick Chubb? Do, do we like Kareem Hunt? I'm not saying Damian Harris is the talent that's equal to those, but in the role he's going to play on this team, it is it is absolutely right there. And I, I'm getting questions like this, but why now and why with a back like Damian Harris? To me, questions like this are inserting, which is fine, your own evaluations and your own bias to this scenario and, and people suggesting Ramondre Stevenson. That absolutely might happen, and you are entitled to your evaluation but what we've also seen with Bill Belichick in his past is he redshirts non-first-round running backs. I mean, Sonny Michelle and Lawrence Maroney got the carries, but what happened to, to Damian Harris, what happened to Shane Vereen, what happened to a whole bunch of these other backs, they, they redshirt their first year. So I'm not saying that, you know, Ramondre Stevens is not going to play this year, but I firmly, firmly believe that Damian Harris has to fail or get injured for someone else to have nearly as many touches and carries as Damian Harris is going to have in the Patriots backfield this season. I just watched, there was a special on, I think HBO, it was Bill Belichick and Nick Saban and their relationship. And it's like so evident that they talk football all the time with each other. And Bill Belichick calls Nick Saban all the time for evaluations on the Alabama players. So when Bill Belichick drafts a, a Bama guy, you can expect that that Bama guy is going to be an absolute stud because Nick Saban is telling Belichick to draft this dude. And like if Nick Saban and Bill Belichick think that Damian Harris is good, I don't think that we should be saying that he's not. He's very a very patient, vision-oriented, fall forward, do all the, the good things. He's not super explosive, but everything else, Damon Harris has it. So if you're going by our rankings, 
you might end up with Damian Harris at running back if you need a position, a pick from the position in this area. Hey, I made my case for Damian Harris. I'll allow you to make the case for our running back 25 in Trey Sermon, who has only had positive shining signals so far in the last three weeks. The 49ers have the easiest schedule in the entire NFL. And including in the fantasy playoffs, they are favored by eight and a half against the Falcons. They're favored by two points against the Titans. And they're favored by 13 and a half points against the Texans. Trey Sermon at six foot one, 215 is going to be the goal linebacker, the closer. And especially late in the season, if Raheem Moster, who's smaller, a awesome role player, but if he can't hang up there, Trey Sermon has this monster ceiling. And then in the preseason, you saw Trey Sermon actually run a route on eight of his 10 dropbacks when he was in there. He also played 10 of 12 first-team snaps. That was without Raheem Mostert. But we've seen positive reports coming out that Trey Sermon could be the passing down back, and they actually like him there. And just my tape evaluation, like this dude jump cuts, does everything right. He was the perfect scheme fit for what Shanahan wants to do. We've never seen Shanahan trade up for a running back like this in the last couple seasons. I think Trey Sermon's very good at the game, and this is the ticket to getting one of the best rushing offenses. They want to run the ball 500 times this year. Trey Sermon's the guy, not any of the other backs in the backfield that can handle 250, 300 of those. There's a, like a massive ceiling in my opinion. I think he's just very good. Go watch the North, the, the Northwestern and, and Clemson games. Those are special, special tapes. Again, I do think bias gets baked into these and just a lot of people not being on the Trey Sermon train like you and I were pre-draft, I think is preventing them from realizing the type of role he can have in this offense. And as cliche as it sounds, I truly believe the 49ers want to be like thunder and lightning. And that's the reason why they've kept Raheem Mostert sidelined throughout the preseason is because his skill set is, is kind of irreplaceable in a lot of ways. Like yes, if you just look at the miles per hour and just what he does on a field, he's the most explosive back in the NFL period. And having that, for eight to 10, sometimes 12 touches a game. There's no, there are so few other backs like that across the league. You can't just plug in someone like that. And so you bring in to start to grind away for the body blows. As much as people hate that word, I damn sure know that coaches believe in it at times, 12, 13, 15 touches a game for Trey Sermon and an offense that we believe has a path to a top five offense in the NFL. We're, we're, we're pretty far ahead. Of Trey Sermon. I mean, he's going as running back 27. You have him personally as running back 24, and so do I as well. He's going to go off. I can't wait. A couple more split backfields, and then we'll kind of jump around here. Chase Edmonds at running back 26. Maybe, Hayden, we should couple him with James Conner, who we have as running back 33 as well. Um, while in his past, we have not seen Chase Edmonds be the lead ball carrier, we have seen Kenyon Drake last season absolutely own inside the 10, inside the five-yard touches. And while Kenyon Drake wasn't good last season, that allowed him to hit on some sort of value despite not being necessarily a good football player in, in 2020. So, Hayden, is that the key for us to nail which back might hit of these two in Edmonds and Connor? Because I, I would say we just don't know that answer right now. It's just, are you willing to bet Chase Edmonds at five foot nine, 210 pounds, who's never had 100 carries in his career, never plays near the goal line. Is he going to be an actual 1A? And that's just like your evaluation versus my evaluation. And I just think that James Conner, like there is a ceiling to chase a little bit if he's the goal line back. This is a very fantasy-friendly running back group with Kyler Murray. They play at a super high, fast pace. 
and the, the 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 zone read stuff, whoever's the goal line back, it's like such a cakewalk to walk right into the end zone. That's why Kenyon Drake, uh, he was a really bad second round pick last year, but he was still the RB twenty one in fantasy points per game. So um, I think these guys like the ADPs. I think are pretty fair right now. I think that James Conner, if you've drafted two early running backs, I think that James Conner is an okay one, like in the tenth, eleventh, twelfth round. Yeah, if you go back and watch our, our quarterback show, I actually made the case for. Kyler Murray, who I've moved up to, I think, quarterback two, especially being the quarterback one this year, because I just think that offense environment is is going to be a lot better. I mean, bringing Rodney Hudson, who hopefully can fix some of the blocking schemes that Cliff Kingsbury puts bad ones out on the field, a veteran presence there, and, and just better pieces, better pieces around there. But I, I'm with you. I mean, there is a difference between ch- taking Chase Edmonds like 20 or 30 or 40 spots ahead of James Conner right now. And again, I'm speaking so positively about some of the other backs like Damon Harris around where Chase Edmonds is going um, because Chase Edmonds right now, Hayden is going as running back 28. Okay. Let's now go to Javante Williams and couple this one with also Melvin Gordon Williams. We have his running back 27 Melvin Gordon at running back 31. We've asked people who cover the Broncos. Who's the lead ball carrier. Hayden, I think while we started the show, Teddy Bridgewater has been named the starting quarterback, by the way. Um, and they all keep saying Melvin Gordon. The issue, because ADPs are constantly changing right now during preseason activity, is we have not seen a moment of Melvin Gordon. And what we have seen of Javante Williams is exactly what he did in college in terms of being a great tackle breaker and creating yards on his own is going to show up here. And Hayden, that's going to be coupled with maybe a very, very good defense and a solid offensive line. So how do we read into this situation? Where's Melvin Gordon? Can, can we get a couple of practice reports for Melvin Gordon? Like, I, this is like the one thing I I want to rank Melvin Gordon higher, but like I'm like he, this this growing stuff. He just like hasn't practiced at all, and that's kind of that's kind of odd. But you're right, Javante Williams looks really good on tape, and it, like that's what he looked like in college. The, the problem is you're buying into the Broncos, who were 27th in fantasy usage among their running backs last year, and they were 28th in fan, fan, uh, Football Outsiders adjusted line yards because the offensive line is pretty suspect. So. Uh, I, I don't think that there's a, a monster ceiling for either one of them just because I think both of them will be involved in certain scenarios, probably Melvin Gordon on passing downs. But Javante Williams, looks, I mean, he looks like a really good good ball player too. So I, I would get it if you want to roll the dice. I just don't think that there's a Jonathan Taylor upside because it's the Broncos and there's more mouse to feed and the offense is probably just not going to be as good as what JT was dealing with last year. If you're trying to look into the future though, I, I – for sure see a path for Javante Williams to have like an awesome second half of his rookie season. And we've seen that a lot with some of the names that we talked about earlier on. And that's why we end up taking them much earlier in their second years and in their second fantasy drafts. A name at running back 28 here, Hayden, is Miles Gaskin. And Miles Gaskin's ADP this summer has been all over the place. I mean, at times it was like running back 23, 24. At times it dipped below like to running back 28. Now it's kind of settled in at, at running back 26. I would say some of that is Brian Flores, the, the the two OCs usage of him in this preseason. Hayden, what do we know right now? And, and from what we know, are you at all comfortable taking him again, where he's going right now at running back 26? I think he's like a flex guy. And I, I think that I'm just going to trust my own tape evaluation here because like the usage, like no idea who's trolling us with any of this, but I think that Miles Gaskin is too small and is not strong enough to handle a massive workload. They gave it to him last year out of necessity, but I think that Salvin Ahmed is going to mix in a little bit more. Malcolm Brown's going to mix in a little bit more. And the rest of the skill group is just so much better that Miles Gaskin is just not going to repeat 
uh, fourth in screens among running backs like he did yeah. last year. So I think that he's ultimately going to be a flex guy. This is going to be a headache. Um, but I, I do think he is the the best runner on the team. He just kind of like Michael Carter, who we'll get to, is just he's just not big enough to handle like 15 plus touches, in my opinion. Yeah, is he like head and shoulders the best runner? And is he like head and shoulders going to be able to separate from this trio? Because I think it is kind of a trio now, Hayden. And you also throw in maybe the worst offensive line in the NFL, yes. or one of them. And I, to get to this value and to get to what he was doing last year, like you said, he needs to be like fourth in screens. He needs to be like top seven, top eight in receptions and targets at the running back position. And just the additions of Will Fuller and and Jalen Waddle and still having Mike Gesicki out there. I'm just not sure if, if if I can like paint a picture for wanting to have Miles Gaskin right now in this area of the draft. The reason why I think they brought in Malcolm Brown is because of this stat. Miles Gaskin was 51st out of 53 running backs in success rate on carries with three yards or fewer to go. So like goal line situations, short yarded situations, Miles Gaston just was not able to do it. And that's partially because of him. That's definitely a huge part because of the offensive line. Um, so I think he's going to mix in, or the other backs are just going to mix in a little bit more. So I think he's a flex. Let's jump to the Rams backfield because the Rams backfield has changed quite a bit in the last 24 hours. Daryl Henderson, we have him now as our running back 29 there was a period of time Hayden and everything's gonna be in flux right now and underdog fantasy Daryl Henderson has been drafted as the running back 19 as of late now we also have Sony Michelle who they basically trade a what fifth and a sixth that can turn into a fourth rounder and we have Sony Michelle as running back 35 Hayden we don't know much yet we haven't seen this team take the field I would say from my perspective why the Rams drafted Daryl Henderson in the first place was never to be their feature back. It was to be a change of pace player. And once again, when he was given that workload and then got injured in his rookie year, they go out and target Cam Akers to be their feature back. So I think now we have also seen them bring in a bigger body who has handled 20-ish touches a game that there could not be any more clear indications from the Rams that they do not view Daryl Henderson as like an over 12, 15 touch player, but he still has the speed, that straight line explosion on an awesome offense, which we expect the Rams to be, to maybe be like a pseudo Raheem Mostert in this scenario. Raheem Mostert is exactly where I ranked Daryl Henderson. I was like struggling. Right, where, is, where is he going to fall in? It's like kind of a similar situation for Henderson and Raheem Mostert. I thought this was like worst case scenario for Daryl Henderson did not really fully see Sonny Michelle getting cut because he was too good. And that's concerning because they actually traded for yep. Sony Michelle. This wasn't just like some signing off, off the street. Um, it, it sucks. I, I, I was hoping that they were going to bring in like a Duke Johnson. Cause I didn't think that Daryl Henderson was going to be a third down back ever. I want him just to have a bunch of the carries and be the goal line back. And with Sony Michelle there, like you can't even bank on that right now. So this is kind of similar to the 49ers situation. Um, I, I'm just more optimistic on Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon as talents over Daryl Henderson and Sonny Michelle, but very similar-ish situations, all like in this RB2, RB3 role. This was this was like, I think, worst case scenario for, for Daryl Henderson. What a weird summer for this Rams backfield when you have like a first rounder in Cam Akers that was being selected there in an offense that we all want exposure to. Then like Daryl Henderson was going like round 11 and, and round 12. 
than people taking victory laps that they were able to get him then when he goes as running back 19. And now Hayden, it's back to this area where I think it's not going to be exactly what it was with Cam Akers there, but I think it's going to be much closer to that role that Daryl Henderson was originally supposed to have versus the one that we projected for him with like Xavier Jones and Jake Funk as his backfield. And we have seen as, as crucial as these scenarios are and maybe sporadic, we've seen Sonny Michelle during that Patriots Super Bowl run like absolutely eat near the goal line inside the five yard line and really have while maybe the yards per carry is low. I love certain Michelle coming out of school at Georgia. I think he's a kind of a different player than he was back then because of injuries have really sapped his explosion. But again, the plan I think is in place and it, it's pretty clear to us that I think at worst it's a 50, 50 split. Uh, pop quiz for you, Josh, how many yards per carry did Sonny Michelle average last year? 4.3. 5.7. Sony Michelle wow. is not dust. I think I think that this is like the worst case because I think that Sony Michelle could actually like challenge Daryl Henderson on the early downs. I, I wanted them to bring in some crappy third down back and let Daryl Henderson eat on like 12 to 15 carries per game. I just like fully can't bank on that anymore. Let's hit on a couple names that stand out. Michael Carter at running back 36. We have drastically different rankings on him. I'm still kind of believing in the progression of, of what he can be in his rookie season. And, and really aiming for the ceiling here with my ranking of, of running back 32. That is a drop from where I had him before. You're all the way down at, at running back 43. And Hayden, I would assume it's because every single preseason usage column that you write and have out and that are awesome and really help you all win out there on Monday mornings, uh, he is the clear, clear non-first team running back. But I also think from a town perspective, from the investment standpoint, he is easily the highest draft capital this team has on a running back to be honest it's not even about the preseason usage i think that talent's gonna win out here and michael carter will be the 1a but a 1a in a committee and in the preseason they were using him on like kind of first and second downs and not like the third down role like i don't think that michael carter is james white i think that michael carter can run between the tackles a little bit and in an offense that I think is going to be like have a really bad defense and the offense might be kind of below average still as they're piecing together. And he's just small. He's never had 200 touches in his four year career at North Carolina. I just don't see the ceiling because I don't think that he's going to break out of this like eight to 12 touch per game role. And in a bad offense, I just like struggle to see what the, the ceiling outcome for Michael Carter, even though he's a good player. I think he's, I, I do think he's going to be the best running back on the team. Let's now go to like the quote unquote running back insurance because there's a lot of these players, Hayden, that we really like. And I would advocate more in best ball to invest in them than your season long leagues because in, in season long managed leagues, they just burn a hole on, on your bench that, you know, you, you might pass up on a like multi week starter at wide receiver or quarterback or, or tight end like Logan Thomas last year in week one in order to keep this running back insurance on your bench. Um, but in best ball, once you get like past, round 12 to me this like if you drafted Ezekiel Elliott early on and Dalvin Cook goes down and having Alexander Madison just gives you like roots and tentacles to own two backfields completely hey there's also a strategic element to this where if you draft Dalvin Cook also don't draft Alexander Madison because then you're hedging yourself draft like you are you are correct and draft to own multiple backfields and not just one. But let's talk about some of our favorites. A.J. Dillon, we mentioned. Alexander Madison. There's the likes of potentially Rashad Penny and, and Darrington Evans. Anyone else stand out to you there? 
Well, I think Tony Pollard's probably the best. I, I want to throw out Alexander Madison just because I think people are underestimating how good of a player he is just because he busted last year in a one-game sample. And that's like so disingenuous just because like in week 17 when Dalvin Cook didn't play, Alexander Madison went off for like 25 uh, PPR points, but no one ever brings that game up. Um, so I, I think that Alex, Alexander Madison's going really late into drafts. I'm with you. I think that in best ball, they make more sense in these tournaments. But I still think in redraft, like maybe draft one uh, Raheem Mostert on your bench and then draft one high ceiling um, Alexander Madison type uh who are some of the other names? I, I think that uh, Rashad Penny, Chuba Hubbard, and Darrington Evans are like my favorite of this group. Um, sure. I, maybe Chuba Hubbard. Like if Christian McCaffrey goes down, we saw what Mike De- Davis uh, could do. I mean, it's absolutely nuts that Alexander Madison is going as running back 47. I mean, we have him well, well, well higher at, at running back 38. I'll throw out Devontae Booker. We mentioned all the questions around Saquon Barkley. Devontae Booker is still – being drafted at running back 68 and you could have some usage week to week with him as well, but also maybe some early season, you know, double digit touches for him. Um, anyone else you want to mention Hayden? I, I know that I do want to bring up cause I, I didn't do a good job of it with Michael Carter. I understand the size elements, but every single time we did see Michael Carter, like actually see usage in a somewhat similar role and similar offense that he's going to be, with the Jets, like he forced 47 missed tackles, which was fifth in college football last year, had 29 carries of 15 plus yards, which was full, first in college football last season. This is a player who might not pay off in the first three or four weeks, but I'm, I'm still holding steady at my running back 32 mark for Michael Carter, but that might not pay off. And anyways, who else you want to talk about real quick before we get out of here? Buffalo backfield and then the, the Bucks backfield, two awesome offenses. You want pieces of them. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary still splitting time. I think it's going to be pretty similar to their workload last year. The 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 Bills were just 31st in, in fantasy usage among their running backs last year, so it's not a backfield that they love to use. I think that's just because neither of them are very good. So I'm okay being out on them. The Bucks backfield, I think, is interesting because Giovanni Bernard's locked in this third down role. He hasn't missed a third down snap in the preseason, but he's not played a first and second down snap. We don't know who's going to be the goal line back. Because they, they signed or re-signed Leonard Fournette for $3 million this offseason. He started the game uh, when they all played in this preseason. But we don't think that Leonard Fournette's very good. Um, but we know the offensive line's so good. So, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, do you have an opinion? Or is it just neither? Neither. I mean, I, I think Leonard Fournette is like a volume sponge who is a below-adequate football player. Um, if I'm drafting any of them... It would have been where Giovanni Bernard was going two months ago. And then like where he was like a 16th, 17th, 18th round selection. And right now, again, despite how much we want to be invested in that offense, I, I can't do it with absolutely anyone. I do want to bring up one name, Hayden, before we get out of here. And I think it's just after this list. Yes, it's just after Anthony McFarlane and Philip Lindsay. There he is at running back 60, Tony Jones, who by all accounts, Sean Payton is now calling his running back too. It was such a difference between where Tony Jones was being drafted at running back 77 and Latavius Murray. I'm even trying to find where he was going, Hayden. I mean, it was 40. So, I mean, 44 overall. He was running back 44 overall. This is, I think, a player that we can like is in flux in terms of his ADP that where he's going and like where we have no idea where his ADP is going to land could have massive value as we go along. 
he's a big player power five guy i mean i think that of among like the 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 crappy players all of a sudden just pop into our, our timeline. I think that Tony Jones in this offense would have at least a chance to be in the mix. Most likely your league mates have never heard of Tony Jones. So right. I think you can literally wait till the very last round. And maybe if your draft isn't until after this preseason game, you can kind of see how they split time between Latavius Murray and Tony Jones. But it, I mean, out of nowhere, Sean Payton says Tony Jones is our RB two, And that's a, that's a, like, I'm sure he respects Latavius Murray as a, as, as a veteran on this team for a while, the fact that he just like comes out and just says that blatantly, like certainly on my radar. And Latavius has absolutely had like running back six, running back eight, top 10 running back weeks. If Al Kamara misses and there's also times he scores touchdowns as well. And to me, Hayden, it goes back to Shane. Sean Payton is a really good play caller and that offensive line when healthy is top five in the league. Like that matters so much at times, good offensive environment, Good run blocking offensive line that Tony Jones can hit in those in those situations. All right, Hayden, I think we've done it. What a show. Long one. A long one. Again, we are updating our free, free, free draft guide. We need all of you before we get out of here. Do us a big favor. Our only goal is to help you win money this year. Just win, baby. In order to do that, like and subscribe down below. We have individual clips. On the channel, go and check those out after the show concludes. And also our quarterback tight end show is already up. Wide receivers are tomorrow. And tonight we'll be back around, what, 8 o'clock, 8.30 Eastern for a live draft with the one, the only, the Miz from WWE, which will be electric television, I am sure. Again, everyone out there, go and try out best ball. Go and try out underdog. It is the best platform for that. There's no better time to still cash in on this hot, hot best ball summer. All right, Hayden, we did it. For running backs, tomorrow wide receivers, that's Hayden. I'm Josh. Up the villa, everyone. Talk to you all soon. See ya. (laughs) 